Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Stuff ready Celtics Reddit podcast presented by CelticsLife.com. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got a few things to get to today. Campbell Walker is back on the court. Plus, James Harden is now in the Eastern Conference and unfortunately, the Atlantic Division. Plus, we'll get to some Reddit recap stuff as well towards the end. Joining me as always, Larbird33. How are you doing after that beatdown by the Knicks today, my friend? I mean, that was that was pretty bad, right? Who's listening to this podcast right now? There's some serious dar- diehards, I guess, if they're <laughs> That's listening right. to a podcast after a 30-point blowout, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty rough. I got up at 5 a.m. for that one. Did not feel like I was rewarded for my, my fandom at that point. And, uh, and the day has just been um, pretty dreary since then. It's not really a, a great way to start your day. At, at least I understand for you Americans, it was kind of on in the middle <laughs> of the day. And hopefully you could find yourself uh, something to do to, uh, to distract yourself from, from that beatdown. But I was impressed by that, by the way. I was impressed that you actually woke up at 5 a.m. to watch the game. I'm like, you know, you could just watch it on delay. We're not recording this podcast till hours later. And at 5 a.m., you actually yeah. woke up before I did. I actually woke up around, around 10.20 and missed the first part of the game because apparently <laughs> Apparently it's on NBA TV and uh, they black it out on League Pass, which sucks. But yeah, yeah well, like I said to you uh, off air, um, like because it was on before my kid woke up, it's like kind of a rare opportunity to sit down and, and watch the game uninterrupted. My wife's asleep. My baby's asleep. It's all good. So bring on the, the 5 a.m. games. I'm, I'm up for it. But we'd love the Celtics to put up a, a better performance. And I mean, we're, we're not going to talk about the game really in great detail. I don't think anyone wants to listen um, to an hour or so of just an ass beating by, you know, one of the league's worst franchises, let's be honest. But we should talk about Kemba Walker, who did return to the court today, played 19 minutes and 37 seconds, shot three for 13 with five turnovers. But he did have three steals and he looked pretty sprightly. And LaBert, I know that you have been on the optimistic side in terms of what we can expect from Kemba when he does return. So how are you feeling after this 19 minutes and 37 seconds? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I feel fine. He, um, you know, he didn't say he had any pain. He keeps saying he's not feeling any pain. That's the big thing. And, you know, you have to assume he's got some rust he's got to work off of. Um, you know, in general, this whole game was just like, whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. these kind of games happen. I think we're adjusting to both Tatum being out. I think we snuck by on the Orlando game to a certain extent. And then we're adjusting to Kemba coming back, which has adjusted some things on our rotation with like Pritchard getting 14 minutes or 17 minutes in this game. And, you know, there were some certain certain things that kind of uh, we had to adjust to. Just the game in the beginning, just everything went, went poorly. But 
you know Kemba's cold, not a big deal. It's just good to see him back out there. I'm sure those those shots will eventually start going down. Yeah, I mean, he did look very like very sprightly and fast and and bouncy. I think is the term that I saw thrown around a lot. He looked very very bouncy and he was able to get to his spots uh, quite easily. I I think I'd have to go back and watch the the game tape from the playoffs, but he did look fresher than that. And you know, he was coming into the bubble after quite a significant break as well. So they are sort of comparable situations, and, and clearly this uh, stem cell therapy that's hopefully added some padding back to his knee there is um is working. But look, it's only one game, but it's the biggest Kemba sample size we've had um, in, in quite some time. So we're, we're here to overreact to it. Um, I saw someone post on, on Celtics Reddit. I should have copied this post, but I didn't, um, which is poor form for the Celtics Reddit podcast. But uh, it was a comment on whether or not Kemba's return would inhibit Jalen Brown's sort of uprising, so to speak. Do, do you think oh. there's anything to that at all? No, I, had, I hadn't seen that comment, but no, I wouldn't say so. I think that Tatum and Brown are both really going to be locked into those number one and number two options on our team. And I think Kemba's going to slot in as our third option. Um, you know, like tonight tonight was interesting because we're, we're missing Tatum. And so what ends up happening is you have... Uh, let's see, Kemba, Kemba and Smart went a combined seven for twenty-eight or something. So they were kind of filling up the slack for Tatum not being in there. But in normal games, I'm I'm gonna expect that Tatum's gonna be averaging twenty plus shots. Brown's gonna be averaging twenty plus shots, and I would think that Kemba's actually gonna take maybe you know fifteen or something in that range. I don't think it's really gonna slow Brown too much. I mean, they are they are you know Kemba is traditionally kind of seen as like a, a ball dominant player who needs the ball to succeed and i want to see the ball in in tatum and brown's hands and Kemba kind of playing off of them a bit so it was hard to get you know a real look at that at this point because Kemba's rusty and we're missing tatum of course but i think yeah. in the long the long run i don't think there's really anything that's going to slow the progression of tatum and brown at this point Th- those are our two guys it's really on Kemba to adjust and based on his comments at least from what i'm hearing in him uh talking in, in interviews he seems to recognize those guys are superstars on this team and he, you know, he has to adjust to it. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying uh, 100%. And it's interesting because I think we've touched on this before, but now more than ever since Kemba's arrival, the roles on the team are, are now more defined uh, in terms of Tatum and Brown being a, a clear cut above Walker. And obviously there's, there's no Hayward to deal with. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does adjust to that and like you said he's clearly open to it but um we just haven't seen those three guys on the court together yet the user on the post game thread i stand when i pee wrote (laughs) i saw (laughs) i saw a weird amount of takes in the game thread that said he looked slow camber looked slow and i just thought that was the furthest thing from the truth he looked like normal camber with early season rust competing against guys without that rust he also probably would have had a better stat line if a couple of passes he made to guys' hands uh, didn't get dropped and result in turnovers. And that, that was one thing I think really stood out there is he, his penetration was awesome. And I think even Pritchard hasn't shown us that level of elite penetration and ability to get in the paint so far this season. But yeah, those passes were just not sticking. So yeah, I think I stand when I pee is probably right there. The stats would have been a little bit more forgiving had guys like Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson actually caught the fucking ball, disappointingly. Yeah, I'm going to also assume that I stand when I pee as a female, just to make it funnier, because it makes a lot more sense that way. <laughs> Nothing wrong with sitting down, whatever you're comfortable with, it's all good. Um, on the Knicks loss, though, user Hell Kyrie wrote, 
Uh, a lot of people here overreact to shit. It's a regular season NBA game, and we have rarely lost lately. Games like this happen. Calm down. Stop being a reactionary idiot. Um, Flybird, <laughs> like I, I've gotten to know you better. Like we're, we're in contact with each other pretty much every day about the Celtics and the podcast, um, and I'm starting to get to know you better as sort of as a person. And in the past, when we've had disappointing outcomes with the Celtics you kind of go offline a little bit and and I, I sort of take that to think, okay, like, you know, he's, he's upset about what happened with the Celtics. Did, did you did you have that today? I was kind of busy. I didn't have a chance to really reach out to you, but did you have a similar reaction to today's loss or did you just kind of brush it off like this guy did? Not really. I mean, honestly, it just seems like, well, there's a part of this we haven't really talked about yet and maybe we can get to, get into it, which is like the whole conversation about plus minus differential and like what that shows about these guys. Because yeah, that was one it. of my takes was just like, so, I mean, if you look at the people have been writing about this now for two years, our team is significantly better. I mean, the short version is our team is significantly better when Tatum's on the court. So, you know, if you look at last season, I think we were when he's on the court per 100 possessions, we were plus 10.3 points. And when he was off, we were like negative one points. Uh, and it, it carried off into the playoffs as well, and it's carried into the early part of the season. Um, against Orlando, it didn't seem to make a difference. We kicked crap out of that team. Of course, Orlando right now is dealing with all sorts of stuff. I mean, they have been you know more or less blown out five games in a row since Fultz went down with the injury. And not that Fultz is a amazing player, but he seemed to have made a big difference there. They're also you know, lacking Fournier. Um, so, I mean, we beat the crap out of Orlando. Everyone looked great. The next game... Tatum's not out there, and this is kind of what you would expect to a certain extent of Tatum missing a whole game, which is very, really rare, which is that the team didn't play well. I mean, just like we have two years of data now that suggests that when he doesn't play, we're going to get outscored. Of course, we got outscored by a pretty significant amount today. But I mean, that was kind of my main takeaway is, listen, assuming Tatum comes back and he's 100% after this COVID thing, he'll be out there. Not really worried about his game blown out in a game he misses because I'm kind of accepting at this point, maybe more so than a lot of fans, that he's our franchise player. He's the superstar of this team. He's the, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. Everyone else plays off of what Tatum does. He's the one that commands the most offensive attention. And uh, when he's not out there, shit's going to be a little awkward. So yeah. I don't really care too much about his game blown out. And then there's all the other things with Kemba only playing 20 minutes, him being rusty, the team adjusting to that. So, you know, I mean, I didn't really care too much about it. Um, if I went offline, it's probably because I was just watching movies or something and just kind of taking my mind <laughs> I'm off glad, of it. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a much better outcome. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say. And, like, those those numbers clearly don't lie. Um, but, like, for me, and I think a lot of people feel this way, my expectation of the team is without without Tatum, you've got Kemba on the court, albeit in limited minutes and first game back after a long time. You've got Jalen, you've got Marcus Smart, you've got almost a full big rotation with the exception of, of Time Lord, my expectation would be that that team could still go out and beat a team like the Knicks, which is what I think made today so disappointing. And I, you know, I I agree. Obviously, Tatum is our best player. We have him on the court. We can expect to succeed a lot more. But I, I was disappointed in the team today. I thought they'd get it done. And I thought regardless of Tatum's presence or absence, they just came out and played like shit. And that's why we're not talking about the game too much, really, as a whole, because they, they just didn't have it. And the Knicks beat us to every loose ball. They won every 50-50 battle. They just played harder. You know, I know these are all cliches, but they, they, they met all of those cliches and, and they won as a result. So, yes, I agree on the, on the Tatum side of things, but I don't necessarily think that... Like, if Tatum was there today and they still played 
like that with with such little fire and um and vigor i think that they still would have lost today so yeah i was having a conversation back and forth on reddit with a couple users one was keevsnick k-e-e-v-s-n-i-c-k and the other one was jocka 92 and uh they were both saying you know it wouldn't matter if tatum was out there we still would have been blown out and my 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 joke was that you know now you're playing with a space-time continuum i mean we don't know what would happen (laughs) if you put tatum out there it's like the butterfly effect the whole the whole game would have been completely different you know um i heard scout at one point in the game talking about the lack of spacing and that's like a really simple thing that you can look at as an example of how things would have been different when Tatum out there. Tatum commands defensive attention. If he's out there, then everything else is open for other players. It just opens it up for everyone. So yeah, I mean, that's not something that like, um, yeah, I think this whole game would have been completely different with Tatum out there. And a couple other things I just want to really quickly bring up about the plus minus stuff. Take it with a grain of salt because it really depends on who they're sharing the court with. But I mean, looking at, this is something I've seen people bring up as well if you look at like last season surprisingly Kemba and Jalen both had a, a negative plus minus differential last season it's kind of weird I mean you wouldn't expect that they were mm. two of our obvious best players but it <laughs> at least based on plus minus we were somehow better with them off the court which doesn't make any damn sense um the second on the team was actually probably Gordon Hayward I think he was plus four or something per 100 possessions and we we're missing Hayward as well in this game so, and then you can look at, I think you had a thing in, uh, in our run sheet where you were mentioning, you can look at, uh, a Reddit user brought this up. There's all sorts of different differentials based on who they share to court with. So you can look at like Tatum plus Brown and, you know, Tatum plus Kemba and, and kind of look at it in that way. But it's just in general, I mean, if you're missing your top player, things are going to be a little weird. And that was kind of what I took from this game for the most part. Yeah, it was definitely a little weird and... Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could argue both sides as to whether or not Tatum would have made a difference today. But um, we saw footage of him recently yelling at the bench mob. I, th- I can't remember what game it was. It might have been against the Pacers where Tatum and Brown had to come back in the game to to, to finish it up. Or it might have been the Wizards. Um, and we did see Tatum with that intensity on the bench yelling at the guys for letting the game slip away. So who knows? Like maybe maybe he is taking on some of that that role of um of the spark plug or the you know the Marcus Smart rally the troops mentality and, and so maybe we're missing a lot more than just his on the court skill set there. Who knows? I mean, that'd actually be a really good thing in terms of him being a, a, a well-rounded player. Um, there's a, a user just moving on slightly, Joe Istel, uh, who mentioned on Grant Williams. Every time I criticize Grant Williams, someone cries out that he does stuff that doesn't show up, show up on the box score after I offer specifics. What are those intangibles? Making fucking homemade candles? Putting <laughs> logos on robes? His shortcomings show up every game. I've never seen a starter in the NBA with such abysmal stat lines and game impact. He is limited to heavy hitter lineups that cover up his massive weaknesses. So going in strong there on, on Grant Williams, user Joe Istel. Uh, any any response to that, LaBert? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but uh, how do you feel about that take? Yeah, I mean, maybe I, uh, it's best to put this back to you because I'm not necessarily the highest on Grant Williams compared mm-hmm. to others. But I mean, there was an article this week that someone shared, or maybe it was a blog post that said that he's very much of a of the Draymond Green uh, breed of players, the newer, you know, undersized power forwards. That's a little more common. I kind of look at it as it's like it's a, this is like a very, very, very small version of the criticisms that Al Horford used to get on the Celtics where it's like, he's not impacting the stat line. He doesn't help. And it's like, yes, he does. He helps quite a bit. He does a lot of different things on the court that make an impact. Um, and, and it's like, this gets into a level of depth. I gotta be honest that like, 
I don't necessarily have as a basketball fan because I know there's some people who watch this game and will comment on like, geez, man, Grant's exactly where he needs to be. And Grant really, you know, he's seeing the game in a different way. I don't necessarily see it like that. And I think a lot of fans are similar to myself. So they just kind of see the surface level stats and kind of gloss over a lot of the things that maybe Grant Williams doing that's a positive that earns some minutes. What's your yeah. take on it, Ben? My take is that he's highly switchable. And if you are highly switchable and you play for Brad Stevens, there's always going to be a place in the rotation for you. And if you're not switchable, you have to be incredibly good at other aspects of the game, like Kemba Walker, to to get significant playing time. So Grant Williams, he can defend almost every position. You know, like he doesn't often get blown by. If he does, his recovery is very good. And he he does, yeah, I mean, I understand what this user is saying because he had a couple of botched possessions today where he didn't quite catch the ball um, or, uh, you know, he turned it over or whatever, but that just was consistent with what everybody else on the Celtics was doing anyway. So I understand the need to pin it on somebody and and Grant hasn't been stuffing the stat sheet, so it's probably easy to to glance at the box score and, and, and pin it on him. But he he does fulfill a lot of those intangibles that coaches love. He is an incredible defender, uh, and he had shown in the playoffs last year that he can do that in in high stakes moments. So I think that there's a lot of time and space left for Grant Williams on the Celtics, and um, hopefully, you know, the more noticeable things like his three point shooting and his ability to catch and finish and, and things like that you know, come through. It's only his second year in the league. So, you know, I don't think that we should have too lofty expectations for him yet, but I think there's some very, very promising signs there. So um, yeah, I'm still to, all in on Grant Williams. Yeah. Not to keep coming back to it because again, like I said, take it for grain of salt, but Grant is one of those guys on the team that does end up having one of those positive plus minus differentials last season and this season where for whatever reason, his, his uh, joining the team on the court seems to be a positive as opposed to when he's off the court. So, you know, there must be stuff there that maybe we're just not seeing totally on a on a stat sheet that's not readily apparent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, a couple of points to get to, and then we're going to move on to the Harden trade. User Horseshoe Overlook made a, a post, which I highly recommend checking out because it's a lot more in-depth than what I'm going to go into now. The Celtics' loss against the Knicks was the seventh worst shooting game in the last 50 years which is insane. I think that's for the Celtics, by the way, but that's still still terrible. And uh, fellow Aussies, if you got up at 5 a.m. to watch the seventh worst shooting game in the last 50 years, then I, I, I apologize on behalf of the Celtics. Not that I have the right to do so. Um, two points on Kemba Walker very quickly. A tweet by Tom Westerholm. Uh, Kemba was quoted as saying, I'm making the moves I normally make and I don't feel anything. And it's a joy. I'm excited. And then a follow-up quote from Kemba Walker, this time captured by Chris Grenham. Kemba Walker on Jalen Brown. He's killing it. I don't want him to think that just because I'm back that he can't keep killing it because he can. Um, so very excited to see, as we touched on earlier, what that, that three-man dynamic ends up looking like between Tate and Brown and Walker. Anything else you want to add there, Larbert, before we move on to the, the Harden trade? Yeah, I just want to uh, shout out real quickly, user Mr. Mojo Rising CG. And uh, we were, it's kind of similar to what you were just talking about with Kemba mentioning he's not feeling any pain. I had made a comment in, uh, in a comment somewhere that I guess the concern that I have and a lot of fans have is, sure, he might not feel any pain right now, but isn't the concern that he's, you know, potentially bone on bone in that knee and that he's going to feel pain later. And so uh, Mr. Mojo Rising CG's comment was, well, the bone to bone issue is a lack of collagen in his knee. He was out because he had a stem cell knee injection. The procedure is more complicated than how I'm going to put it, but generally stem cells take the properties of the cells around them and replicate it. 
So his knee issue, assuming it took well, should be fairly relieved, actually. His problem isn't necessarily soreness, but rather uh, major chronic damage to his knee over, from overuse. Assuming this procedure worked as planned, he should actually have a genuine recovery. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I know how to Google certain things, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know if Mr. Mojorizen is either, but at least it makes me feel a little better. Maybe maybe what he's saying has some validity uh, validity to it. Maybe, you know, Canvas yeah. himself yeah, is actually going to help him. Maybe he's going to be back to normal to a certain extent now. I mean, it's hopeful. Yeah, mods, if you're listening, late speak, you guys should sticky that comment to the, the top of the subreddit because a lot of people, I think, need to, to read that on a daily basis to, uh, to remind themselves that it's not all over with Kemba Walker. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds very promising. Um, as a person with terrible knees, I wish that I had access to that kind of treatment. That's my <laughs> takeaway from that. That's kind of unfair, but I'm glad that Kemba's um, subject to that level of treatment and quality care. Hopefully, it um, you know, it demonstrates itself on the court. Now, James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets by the Houston Rockets. We know the details. I'll just, I'll just go over them again very quickly. So this is a tweet from Woj. Brooklyn's acquiring James Harden in a three-way deal with Cleveland, Karis LeVert, Dante Exum, Rodion's Kouroks, four first-round picks, including the Cavs' 2022 20, first via the Bucks, and four Nets pick swaps to the Rockets. Jarrett Allen, Torian Prince to the Cavs. It's just an insane blockbuster deal. Stepping out of Celtics fandom, grabbing the popcorn, it was a fun day of just like watching everything that sort of came out of that and how quickly it moved after that James Harden press conference. Uh, Laba, take us through it, you know, from your mindset as a Celtics fan, how this felt and how you've come to accept this new reality. Yeah, so we recorded our podcast, our uh, our, th- our therapy session that, that morning because we were, <laughs> you know, there's some negative stuff going on with the team. We had yeah. some games that were canceled. And part of that whole podcast was <laughs> mainly poking fun at Brooklyn to make ourselves feel better. And then like an hour later, they, they landed James Harden. So mm-hmm. Precisely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's get like the, let's get the, maybe from, from our standpoint, the positive stuff, let's, let's cover that first. So oh, the please. positive stuff is that obviously Kyrie is still an, a concern for them. You know, he hasn't come back officially into playing games yet. Apparently he's back with the team, but you never know with him. He's a wild card. So that's a positive. We don't, maybe, maybe Kyrie will retire. That'd be nice. <laughs> the other positive is that uh, James Harden doesn't seem like he's really in a hundred percent shape. Um, the other positive is that potentially those three guys struggle sharing the ball. It's there's one basketball. You always hear that. There's one basketball. You have three ball dominant players. Barkley's been making jokes about how it's the dribble, but the dribble brothers, I think they're calling them instead yeah. of the splash brothers. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that could yep. be a concern for them and, and a positive for us. Um, the other positive is how are they going to look defensively? You know, I just said Orlando has been terrible since, since they lost Fultz and Brooklyn just let them put up 112 points on them. They still beat them because they put up 123 points playing pickup basketball, but <laughs> without Kyrie, but yeah, de- defense might be a concern for them. So all those things are a concern for them. But all that said, I'm a little terrified. <laughs> I'm a little terrified. Just I mean, a if you bit. just look at, <laughs> if you look at the history of teams, and I wrote an article on Celtics Life about this, which was essentially saying that there's a history of us downplaying super teams. Anytime a super team's formed, all the fans are quick to say, ah, there's one basketball. How are they going to coexist? They even said it when the big three in Boston formed. They're like, how is Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and KG going to coexist? They, they're all superstars that all want the ball. Didn't make a difference. They won a championship their first year. They dominated. They said it when KG, uh, they said it when Le- LeBron and Wade paired together. 
And although they had some hiccups, they still went to the finals four years in a row. They said it when LeBron went to the Cavs. They're like, how is he, you know, how is he and Kyrie going to coexist? They, they weren't a good team. You can't just add LeBron. Well, I mean, they went to the finals every year after that. Um, they said it when Durant joined the Warriors. Like, well, you know, that might be a problem for them. <laughs> rare. That was rare. <laughs> Most people realized that they would actually be great. But there were some people who were like, you know, how are you going to add Durant to that? That's going to mess it up. And they, they won a couple championships. So, I mean, listen, you're adding two MVP players who are in their prime. I mean, the oldest of those guys is, is Durant. He's only 32. Uh, Harden's 31. Kyrie's only 28. They're technically the same, same age or slightly younger than the Boston Big Three when they formed in 2007. And that team more or less had a five-year window ending in the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, that they had a window. So I look at that. That's a lot of talent. I can't just ignore the fact that they have some fucking great talent. That's incredible yeah. talent. You know, whether they have some defense issues out of the gate, hopefully. I'd love to beat them. I, I, I hate I hate this, to be honest. I hate it. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not happy about it because it, it like their window is like, you know, it, it totally aligns with the, the contracts of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So the idea that they might be preventing us from even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals for the next four years it sucks. I don't like it. I think they're a very, very unlikable trio. Maybe the most unlikable superstar trio we've ever had. So I'll be rooting very, very much against them and hopeful that we can, you know, embarrass them and beat them in the playoffs. But I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I'm hopeful and yet unhappy as well. That's how I would summarize my my outlook and reaction to this whole situation. Um, just to lean back into the optimistic side of things very quickly, uh, user highlighted Ted wrote that no team has ever won a championship without finishing in the top 15 in defensive rating. Nets still have to prove they can defend. I mean, they certainly proved that they can score the other night. But um, you know, Kyrie Irving, if he does come back, he's not exactly adding anything to the defensive side of the court. But the thing that annoys me the most is after the original Brooklyn trade, you know, a couple of years go by and and Garnett retires and Pierce leaves for the Wizards and suddenly it's all doom and gloom for Nets fans. Like, we've given away our future. You know, it's going to be a very, very long time until we're competing or contending again. And meanwhile, the Celtics have these picks. They're going to have their, you know, the pick of the bunch over the next few years. Celtics eventually get Tatum and Brown. Uh, they, they trade the other Brooklyn pick as as part of the deal that brings in Kyrie Irving. And our future is looking really good. And yet, we're on the same timeline. So NBA teams, the Nets and the Celtics, experience time in the same way. You can make an argument that we've got Time Lord <laughs> slightly different for us. Anyway, jokes aside, it's so now 2021. The, amount, the same amount of time has passed with both teams. We have Tatum and Brown. So, yes, those picks were fruitful for us. And yet they've got like two and a half MVPs. You know, so yep. all the while they mortgage their future, but they end up with arguably a much better roster and much more promising title prospects in the end. That's the part that annoys me the most. They made this like fucking awful decision and right. yet they've come out on top in the end. That that really shits me. I can't yeah, sleep at I night. I get it. <laughs> I, I get it because I mean, it's almost like we can't, you know, we could for a long time, we could call that Brooklyn trade and we probably can still call that Brooklyn trade one of the greatest trades of all time. The fact that Ainge pulled that off. I mean, let's also mention that at that point, I was shocked that we even got first round picks, late first round picks for KG and Pierce at that point. Mm-hmm. I thought we were two years a little late for even trying to make that trade mm-hmm. because they were there. I really believe they were washed up at that point. So they get even late first was a huge win and it ends up being Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving was part of that at one point because we got Isaiah that turned into Kyrie. 
through that whole trade. So it's almost like we can't even bring it up anymore. It's like, how are you going to bring up that's one of the greatest trades of all time if they ended up getting Kyrie anyways, and then they ended up luring these other guys because they had Kyrie there. So yeah, I get it from that. I also just think like, you know, there's there's some fans who are really uh, down on the league for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons they're down on the league is the player empowerment era, which I'm not necessarily against, but I get it from a fan standpoint because these these players are able to now completely dictate where they go yeah and um you know we just saw it with los angeles and i was pretty vocal about this when it happened it i almost like listen the lakers they've got a bunch of championships some of them as minneapolis (laughs) but (laughs) i almost i almost like i almost don't see their championships on the same level as most teams because la is such a huge draw if you look at like the the championships they won, they've all come from landing other team superstars who just wanted to live in LA. It happened yep. with Cream, happened with Shaq, happened LeBron James. That's a whole lot of fucking championships. Wilt Chamberlain as well. That's a lot of championships that all came from other superstars, MVP player, you know, MVP level players who just wanted to live in LA. And it's a similar thing with uh, New York, Brooklyn. Same kind of thing. It's not the Knicks, but it's still New York is a draw there. It's a huge city. People want to live there. Uh, Kyrie obviously wanted to go there. Durant's base is there in New York. They wanted to be there. So it kind of sucks. I mean, listen, we can't really complain. Boston is uh, not a small market team, but uh, it still kind of sucks to see these guys kind of getting their way and forming these teams. And they're, like I said, they're, I think they're three of the most unlikable superstars in the league at this point. So them, you know, winning championships, kind of the idea of it really makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it makes me very unhappy and uh, bitter and and angry, and I, I feel like it's it's stressing me out and, and aging me <laughs> prematurely. Yeah. It just I'm I'm constantly uh, upset about it. But like you said, they are the most unlikable trio potentially ever, and that does you know while it's intimidating to have them all grouped up and in our conference and division, it, it does open up the possibility for us to beat them and and for that. <laughs> very satisfying outcome to come to fruition so if there's anything right in the world the basketball gods will smite them and right and and like listen everyone's gonna be rooting against this team in the playoffs and so the idea of us beating them that 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 would be really nice that'd be nice but uh I'm, i'm really terrified of how good they can be over the next few years yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely terrified as well. But, you know, that that is a, a possibility and, and something that we can hope for, uh, if nothing else, given that everything else is, is pretty um, pretty gloomy and shitty at the moment, let's be honest. All right, so quickly for the Reddit recap, this is a post by LightningFast31 who writes, can we stop posting about Kyrie? He's not part of the Celtics. We've just talked about Kyrie, I think, on this podcast, on the Celtics Reddit podcast for a decent amount of time. Um, so essentially, should we or should we not continue posting about Kyrie Irving? User Hawk Ed, Hawk Egg writes, let us have our Schadenfreude. <laughs> I, I, I lean on that side. Like, it's especially when it's bad things about Kyrie Irving. I, I like seeing that. It makes me feel good. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, Labird, where do you stand on this? Well, first of all, shout out to Hawk Egg. That guy has a, a library of quotes that he's kept of mine that he says proves <laughs> I hate Jalen Brown. And I've gone back and forth with this guy. Uh-huh. He won't let me, you know, listen, I've said some, <laughs> I've said some things in the past that maybe it seems like I didn't support Jalen to the extent that I should have. So oh, Hawk we've Egg, all been there. We've all thanks been for keeping there. me honest, Hawk Egg. <laughs> he's keeping me honest. But, That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> So I've been writing some articles for Celtics Life, and some of our listeners are probably coming from Celtics Life. 
I just have to, you know, pull the curtain back a little bit and say that I posted one thing about Kyrie there and it got about six times as many views as every other article I've written. Of course. Obviously, Celtics fans are interested in Kyrie Irving still. And I would say that until we get an opportunity to go to the Boston Garden and pack that house post-COVID and boo the shit out of that guy, hopefully in the playoffs when we beat them, then I think we can keep talking about Kyrie because fuck him. I hate him. <laughs> He's like, you know, honestly, I, I, I've, been a, I've been a Kyrie apologist in the past, but at this point, I just can't stand this guy. Like, I can't stand his whole persona. And um, I think we deserve to be able to go to the garden and boo the crap out of him. So as long as there's negative things about him popping up, I think we should be allowed to talk about it. Um, yeah, I yeah, see nothing it, wrong with it. It's the closure that every fan needs, right? We need that that cleansing boo fest at TD Garden with Kyrie Irving there, and like we know he feels it, right? Like he he burned sage around an empty TD Garden <laughs> for for bad juju. If it was full of fans, there's not enough sage in the world to to remove that that bad juju. So, you know, the more we try to sweep this under the rug, the more he'll just be able to come back, and it'll be like any other game. And I just want this, I want this heat to remain because he should be. Like we just said, I think Brooklyn's one of the least likable trios of all time. But in particular, Boston's uh, reaction to Kyrie should be very, very, very negative. I mean, the guy did tell us that he was probably going to come back and then left and formed a super team with Durant and Harden. I think we deserve to be able to boo the crap out of him. So I think, oh yeah, fuck uh, that guy. you know, if we don't, <laughs> if we don't talk about him, then maybe enough time will pass that by the time we actually see him, everyone will eh, water under bridge. No, it shouldn't be water under bridge. Let's keep talking about him. Let's keep making fun of him. And then finally, you know, we'll get the boom eventually, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And yeah, so shout out to Hawk Egg. I, I agree with the Schadenfreude, but Lord, user Lord XOR agrees with OP. They write, I agree. I think this is on the mods to delete Kyrie threads. If the mods start removing non-Celtics related threads, this would stop organically. If people want to talk about Kyrie, they can go to the Brooklyn or NBA subreddits. Interesting pretty divisive subject and and you do get a lot of those those comments anytime someone like that is posted uh, you know i guess it, it comes down to like how you deal with breakups right and sometimes <laughs> even after a bad breakup people are, are pretty disciplined and like well i'm never gonna talk or think about that person ever again and so i think that's kind of where lord xor is coming from it's just like healthy to move on completely and just like put those emotions in a box put them up in the attic like where i'm sitting right now recording this podcast and just just move on um but listen you know, i don't know i don't know how your breakups went but with mine i feel like it's totally okay to obsess over them until you get a chance to boo them with a bunch of other fans <laughs> that's right yeah as is tradition <laughs> of course yeah so look it all comes down to what's therapeutic and and what gives you closure and what allows you to exercise those demons but um Look, Laba, we're pretty close to wrapping this one up. Kemba Walker returned today. We got smashed by the Knicks. We've reacted to the Harden trade, and we've talked about the eligibility for Kyrie content on Celtics Reddit. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap this one up? Uh, <laughs> I think that's about everything. I, I would say that um, one thing I'm keeping an eye on, and I think a lot of fans are keeping an eye on, is Peyton Pritchard. And tonight, he had less minutes than he's had as of recent, because we have both Kemba back and uh, and also Teague. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on because uh, I didn't get a chance to mention this. Again, talking about the plus minus thing, it's been kind of a theme of the whole thing, but Pritchard's plus minus has been very, very good. He's actually been impacting winning quite a bit. And it happened again tonight where we got blown out and the one that had the least uh, negative plus minus was Pritchard. Yeah. So I kind of, um, that's something I'm keeping an eye on. I want to see him get a lot of minutes. 
as we you know get a little further into the season if he's losing minutes because of Teague I feel like that's going to get more and more attention from fans are going to start getting a little bit annoyed at that and that's not even to say he's played poorly but I think that's going to be something that's going to be on the mind of a lot of people yeah I also thought Pritchard saw some more legit NBA defense and, and blitzes today that he hadn't seen it's before true. it was kind of like a, a tip of the hat right from the from the opposition to Pritchard just to say okay like we know you're legit while you're the only guard on the floor while you're the primary ball handler like we're gonna blitz you as soon as you come over over halfway there so I thought that was um yeah almost a compliment towards him and it did kind of ruffle his feathers a little bit like he didn't have the sort of performance that we're used to seeing from him but he also didn't completely shit the bed so i think that's that's he only took three shots right so i mean he took three shots in that game in a game where smart had 15 yeah and uh you know like i said kemba and smart combined for two for 28 or sorry seven for 28 while pritchard only took three shots so something i'll be keeping an eye on um yep yeah it felt like two for 28 (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> that's gonna do it for this one we'll be back in a week or so celtics have the sixes coming up on wednesday that will be 12 days since jason tatum's positive covid test la bird is there any word as far as you are aware uh, as to whether tatum will be available to play against philly i haven't seen much about it i'm, I'm hopeful that'd be great because <laughs> otherwise i think philly's gonna be a tough tough beat but i guess they're, they're dealing with some covid issues as well so who knows maybe we'll have a couple covid games yeah, uh, and know, apparently we'll be ben, they'll be limited. Apparently, Ben Simmons was told that he was about to be traded as well. So who knows what kind of uh, you know ripples that creates in the locker room there? It should be interesting. Right. More on that next week. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Go Celtics. Peace.